wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're looking at the Bible and religious cults. And the big question for today, why do people join cults? Today our co-host is Eric Hoare. And Eric's the part-time pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Eric. Thank you, Gary. We had a bit of winter, but uh, it's warming up before Christmas. Oh, I tell you what, I can't believe it, can I? You know, I mean, we've had those two days, and uh, I've, I've got to admit it's been very difficult to actually do your, uh, your regular exercise on uh, those, uh, those two days. Now, tell me, have you started doing any planning for the new year yet? Uh, yeah, we have. Um We've sort of uh, got uh, Christmas sorted out, which is good. Um, most of that's in place. And the new year, yep, we're we're sort of heading towards that. Uh, we've got the whole family coming in for Christmas, which will be good. We do that every year. And normally we just have something small on, on New Year's Day mm. and uh, just have a quiet time. It's time to sort of wind down after everything and just have a really good break yeah, from yeah, everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? no, Turn the phone off. It, it's really good, actually, because, I mean, I find that uh, this time of the year, certainly for me, things tend to slow down uh, quite substantially. And uh, I'm certainly going to be uh, taking uh, a few weeks, a few weeks holiday. Uh, but the usual uh, speed team seems to slow down just, just that little bit. And, in fact, I'm going to actually be uh, spending a fair bit of time um, putting together some of our, our programming for, uh, for next year. And, uh, you know, I'd... I'd love to encourage any of our our listeners, Mm. if you've got a big question uh, that you'd like to see addressed on our uh, on our regular drive time program then please feel free to text that in uh, to to me now that's uh, our studio phone here is 0438 uh, 066635 that's 0438 066635 and I, I would love to be able uh, to answer questions that people uh, are actually asking so you know eric i'm so conscious that people uh do have there are plethora of questions in the day and the age in which we're living at this particular point in time and uh, i'd love to be able uh to respond to uh to those those questions and uh we're going to be doing some work on that over the over the christmas period so if there's any of our listeners who would like uh to contribute uh, we won't put your name on air or anything like that but we'd love to be able to share some of the questions people are asking and talk about them uh at some point uh, early next year so this is certainly your opportunity the next couple of days if you want to uh, uh, send your question to uh, um, just to Pastor Gary at the uh, studio here on 0438 uh, we'd love to receive that uh, just sort of we might also start with some uh, some good news uh, today uh, picked up a uh, uh, an article that actually comes from the Gold Coast and hello to our, our good friends over in uh, in Queensland I loved uh, this uh, this news report that uh, I picked up so much there's so much negativity in the in the news media uh, but then this came through a mystery woman uh, pays off $16,000 in laybys 
at a toy shop. I reckon this was really, really beaut, actually. A true Aussie spirit is what the article says. Kind-hearted woman, mystery woman, walks into a toy shop and pays off all the laybys that that shop had worth $16,000 to help families struggling at Christmas time. Just listen to this story. A mystery woman who wanted to be known only as Santa's helper has paid off $16,000 worth of laybys at a toy shop to help families struggling at Christmas. The Good Samaritan visited Mr Toy's Toy World in Burley Waters on Thursday and paid off the outstanding balance on all remaining laybys in the store. Uh, More than 80 orders were finalised by the act of kindness, uh, which the woman told staff was inspired by everyone having a tough year. A single mother of two um, uh, had placed, uh, one single mother of two had placed a $60 deposit on a $300 dollhouse for her seven uh, year old uh, daughter. But when she called the store to discuss her order uh, last Tuesday, she was told it had been paid in full. Uh, She said, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it, she told Daily Mail in Australia. It was amazing to hear that someone so generously went in and paid off all the laybys, and I was lucky enough to be one of them. If I could meet her, I'd give her a huge hug. I'd tell her how much she's helped me and hundreds of families on the Gold Coast. She's like a my fairy godmother. Employee Rachel Thompson said she had to comfort emotional parents after telling them the news. We wish we could, uh, we wish she could know how grateful people are, uh, Miss Thompson told the uh, kind hearted woman who was accompanied by two friends. Uh, she told staff they wished to remain anonymous and to tell people that they were simply uh, Santa's uh, little helpers. Uh, but her gesture of goodwill did not end with the laybys. The three women, who looked to be aged in their 30s, returned an hour later to give staff members gift cards and chocolate. Later that evening, the woman went back to the store and footed the bill for another Lucky Shoppers $3,000 to $4,000 worth of Christmas presents. You know, I I loved uh, that particular story. When I read it, I thought, hey, uh, isn't that a fantastic Australian experience? And, the, and a good thing about that, two things. One is that she didn't want a name and light. She did it anonymously. So yeah, she was yeah. just there to help, as we all should be. And the second one was she didn't know who she was helping. Yeah. I think that's a big thing to remember too, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a few years ago there used to be a uh, a thing that young people used to get involved in called WWJD. It was a, a bangle they used to uh, wear on their wrist. Can you remember that, uh, Eric? Mm. No, no. It actually stands for What Would Jesus Do? Mm. And, and you know, it was a little movement that I know a lot of young people at that particular time, it seems to have faded away at this particular point in time, uh, but they were involved in helping others. So I was just simply yeah. trying to say, hey, uh, you know, what would Jesus do? in any given situation uh, you know and as I look at, at this particular story I say hey uh, there's some this is uh, this is a is a Christmas story that's worth replicating mm.
Yeah, no, I, I, I think this is really wonderful, and I really do want to take my hat off to uh, uh, Santa's uh, little helper. Uh, I think it's a story uh, that I'd love to see uh, replicated uh, a thousand times a week uh, at this time of the year. Oh, what a way to lift up uh, the society uh, that we're actually living in uh, right now. Uh, let's come uh, to uh, to a song that really uh, reflects what that woman did. This is a song. It's by Kathleen uh, Carnelli. It's uh, entitled simply Micah six eight. And of course, Micah six eight simply says, "What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly uh, with your God?" Uh, that's in fact uh, what Santa's little helper in this story has actually done. Please enjoy uh, Kathleen Carnelli, uh, Micah uh, 6.8. Justly 
Beautiful text uh, that uh, that really is. Micah six eight that can be found. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God? What a what a powerful a passage a passage of scripture. Uh, our may our gift for you today is uh, amazing facts hidden truths magazine. Uh, this is uh, this is a gift. This is a wonderful magazine. If you're uh, looking for something to read over the uh, Christmas period, a magazine that uh, will 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 really challenge your thinking, then uh, this is the magazine to request. Hidden Truth Magazine. It's just a simple magazine. Um, it's put out by Amazing Facts, which is a, a international um, video uh, ministry, and uh, these guys do a, do an absolutely wonderful job. In fact, if you want to get in touch with them all you have to do is go online type in amazing facts they'll come up and uh, you'll see some uh, some remarkable things in uh, in their ministry now uh, guys if you'd like a copy of the hidden truth magazine all you need to do is to text uh, is to text hidden truth uh, and your name and your address to 0438 0666635 that's 0438 Zero double six six three five, and uh, we'll have uh, amazing facts. Hidden Truth magazine on on its way to to you. You'll love uh, that particular magazine. Now you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare, and Eric's the part-time pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh Day Adventist Church. And this week we're looking at uh, the Bible. And religious cults. And the big question for today is why do a people join a cult? It was, uh, while I was living in, uh, in ministry, living in, uh, in the state of, uh, Queensland, lovely, uh, lovely place of Australia to, to live. So many Australians actually move up that part of the world, uh, that, uh, uh, that I was, I became aware of the Waco cult. This uh, this cult uh, became quite significant at that particular time in our life because uh, uh, we had friends that were living uh, fairly close uh, to us whose brother uh, was actually part of uh, of this uh, uh, of this particular cult. Uh, now the Waco, almost twenty five, thirty years perhaps ago at the present time, David Koresh had somehow persuaded a significant group of people to join him. Uh, one one article uh, explained the situation like this. The world watched uh, as a compound in Waco, Texas, became a horrific fireball. Inside the building uh, burning was cult leader David Koresh and scores of his followers. 25 years on, relatives of the British victims reflect on what happened. This article was put out by the, by the BBC. Korish became infamous as a self-styled prophet who thought he was the new Christ. His followers were enthralled with him and remarkably 30 of them were in fact British. Uh, 24 died when the weeks-long siege of the compound ended in absolute tragedy. 
They came from the streets of Manchester, from London, from Nottingham. Outwardly, uh, ordinary young people in their 20s, in their 30s. But who, who was David Koresh? Well, some saw him as a prophet. It's understood that David Koresh came to England around 1888, uh, around 1988, along with his trusted lieutenant, a man called David Schneider. They thought a fertile uh, recruiting ground for their message uh, was the coming of the apocalypse. It was one of the major themes which they preached on. In fact, in many ways, it was almost the only theme that they preached on. Uh, you see, Revelation uh, fitted so much of their vision for the future. Korish himself had been rejected from the Seventh-day Adventist church in Texas. So he knew that his starting point in England uh, could be uh, with that church. He gave talks at the Seventh-day Adventist college in Berkshire called Newbold uh, without permission, and he kept his identity a secret from its staff. It was there that three students had their lives changed forever. From there, the power of Korish's message on the minds would ripple out to families all across England. I remember one man said said this, Korish held meetings in a semi-detached house in Manchester with dozens of young people attending. Korish's lieutenant was there. He gave a charismatic talk saying he needed to take instructions from God. He was, of course, talking about David Korish. The local Seventh-day Adventist elder, George Taylor, recalls being there at the clandestine meetings. I remember turning to my wife and saying, this is strange, this is not right. His wife uh, recalls a packed room. There were people standing, sitting on window ledges, in corners. They were there about an urgent business. And when I tried to interrupt the speaker and ask questions, that was like, whoa, why are you challenging this, this man? You know, this, uh, uh, this just kept on going. It kept on developing. Korish's offer to the Britons was a seductive one. Uh, they mainly came from traditions that had been well-versed in the Bible. So he was pushing at that particular open door. The revelation or the biblical description of the apocalypse was at hand, he said. He convinced them that he was the next Messiah, the one sent by God to lead those righteous souls that would be saved and that would taste eternal life. He told the Britons that they would be among them should they go and lead a frugal life of prayer at his Texas ranch to prepare for the imminent end of days. What he didn't tell them, is that his version of the apocalypse would be armed with a massive stockpile of guns and ammunition and that he was, in fact, a serial, a sexual predator. Do you know, Eric, as I, as I read this, I mean, I became, I remember my feelings at the time when, as this story developed. We certainly had friends who, who had a brother uh, that had actually been seduced to actually joining uh, this, this particular group. And uh, week by week, the family was watching the developments and they were frightened. Uh, you know, uh, to me, Eric, I'm just so conscious that, uh, uh, you know, today's question, I believe, is actually so relevant because from the studies, it almost seems that almost anybody 
uh, could be enticed into one of these subgroups. Now, Eric, just tell us, why do people join a, a cult? Well, Pastor Gary, the big thing is that usually the leader of the group is charismatic that draws um, people away. Now, there's several reasons why, um, and there's been some studies done in it, and often it can be that somebody's disgruntled in a church through various ways. Yeah. It can be that the church has come down hard on them, uh, and disciplined them, and uh, they feel that you know they don't want to be part of it, and then they listen to what's going on from somebody else, and they're, they're drawn away that way. It could be perhaps that they've been through a marriage breakup or an emotional upset where they're vulnerable, and uh, somebody will get their listening ear and and draw them away as well. Uh, there's also the thing to have been perfection, where some people feel they're not good enough to live up to the standards of the church, and will move away to another group. Yeah. That will pull people away from the Christian group. You know, um, I told you earlier, Pastor, when we were chatting before that that I knew of a sect in New Zealand called the Cooperites, and uh, Neville Cooper was a leader of that group, very charismatic man. Uh, he had three wives and nineteen children, and um, this seems to be a, almost a common dynamic, isn't it? It is. Yeah, there seems to be a thing where, and also with Jim Jones as well. He's another one that uh, committed mass suicide, the yeah. highest number of suicides, nine hundred, I think, yeah. in America, uh, and uh, also the one you're talking about, David Koresh, that um, they seem to um, prey on the woman as well, yeah. uh, in all these cases as well. And so, uh, and, and it was in this case here where, where this man, uh, uh, Neville Cooper, actually ended up in jail and did a term. He was charged with sexual impropriety and was jailed actually for it. But, you know, the thing is that a lot of people are drawn by lifestyles of sex too, where they, some of them go and live off the land yeah. and um, grow their own crops and make their own bread. And we all like that lifestyle. You know, there was a, a program on television called The Good Life. Mm. don't know if you ever watched it, but it was a couple who set this up. It was funny, but it was it's what we all – I'd love to, you know, grow more vegetables and, and all Well, that you stuff. certainly hear a lot about people, you know, today taking a, a, a sea change or a tree change, you know, wanting mm. to move from the, uh, from the city uh, out in – into a, a country environment, having a small property where they can actually, uh, you know, uh, plant some some plants. They can uh, grow up. They can ride a horse. They can, you know, not a big property perhaps, you know, maybe four or five acres. But you know, I mean, obviously that's no cult. But there is there is something that is becoming increasingly attractive to people today to live to a to move to a more simple lifestyle, isn't there? Yeah, they're looking for peace, really, a slowing down of life, and that idea of moving to the country and living off the land is appeals to everybody, you know, not having all the government departments on your back and things. But the thing is, too, that um, the whole key in this thing, I think, tonight is that these people who a lot of them are Christians have, have been in a Christian faith where the scriptures tell us uh, God's word, where it can be misconstrued and twisted, that will actually draw them away from what they actually believe in and change the mindset, almost like um, brainwashing, mm. change them to a point where they can actually lead somebody that at, end, at the end of the day, they might have Bible studies and things, but at the end of the day, it draws them away that where they might even be led into suicide or, or uh, mass murder. It, it's just amazing. In other words, people can actually pick up beliefs that they wouldn't, they wouldn't normally 
adopt, but it tends to be through you know relationships that they've formed, mm. uh, often with a uh, with a strong charismatic leader. You know, I mean, mm. uh, you sort of uh, if a person has come particularly maybe from a uh, well, I was going to say disadvantaged background, but that's not even true from the stats either. There are many professional people that have actually been tied up in these uh, in these cults and have been impacted by them in an, in an incredibly negative manner. I guarantee you that with a lot of these people that have joined a cult, if you would say to them before they got into this, would you join a cult, they would say no because they don't see it as a cult. They see it as a mainstream thing. It's, it's a new t- term of belief. Uh, in fact, uh, it mentions it here in Second Peter 2, 1 to 3. The Bible talks about it. It says, But there are false prophets among the people, just as there were false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. So what this tells me here is that they secretly introduce destructive heresies denying Mm. God. Mm. You know, this is within the church, which amazes me. And the other thing was that it talks here about that they are in their greed. They are greedy. They want power. Mm. They want Mm. to dominate, if you like. And that's what happens in this case here so here we find that people who are believing in and following christ over a period of time can be subtly drawn away that they end up with heresy yeah which is amazing to me yeah 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 uh, th- that is something that i'm i'm just so so conscious of i um i, I just wondered to what extent um the increasing biblical biblical illiteracy actually mm. is impacting this entire situation you know i've just mm. uh one uh, uh one article that um uh did uh, jump out at me just a, a little while ago was uh well i actually just it's only come out in the press just uh, just a couple of days ago um uh the world evangelical alliance head He's just been elected. Uh, he, he's made a comment that's actually been picked up on uh, by the Christian Post. And this is what it says. Uh, Biblical illiteracy is the utmost problem facing global evangelicals. Uh, the world evangelical head... Um, says um, the biggest crisis facing evangelical a global church today is the growing lack of biblical literacy worldwide according to Thomas uh, Schirmacher the newly elected Secretary General of the World Evangelical Alliance. Our biggest problem is that Bible knowledge is fading away he told the Christian Post. This is the utmost problem uh, that we have beyond all theological differences, financial problems and political questions. Uh, Schumacher, who studied theology in Switzerland and the United States, has served as the Associate Secretary General uh, for Theological Concerns, has said that the uh, Western world, more and more uh, kids have come from evangelical families that are not really rooted in the Bible. 
people, and many of them leave the faith. In the Western world, the percentage of kids from Christian families who stay in the faith is actually going down. The number of young people leaving the faith in Western Christian and Christianity has been counteracted by people coming becoming Christians as younger adults in other parts of the world, according to Shermetcher. However, these young Christians also lack deep biblical knowledge and only know about the Bible, what they learned from their conversion. He said in rural areas, young Christians are often tasked with leading large churches despite their lack of biblical and theological knowledge. Eric, to what extent do you think we actually have this this issue of, I suppose, a lack of... Um, um, uh, I suppose, biblical illiteracy. To what extent is that actually a problem? Uh, because uh, I'm conscious that if, in fact, uh, you're, um, you're struggling to know the Bible, when someone comes along who actually appears to present uh, amazing things from the Scriptures and you don't have a good overall understanding, do you think that has an impact on, uh, on people? Yeah, well, when you were reading that article, talking about that article, uh, it reminded me of the seed sower you know, that where the seed was falling. And uh, when it fell on good soil, it went in deep. But it fell on the roadside, on rocky ground, or amongst the thorns. Yeah. Then the world sort of, the weeds come up and consume them. And that's like the word of God. And I totally agree that um, the peop- some of the people I meet today are in that boat where they feel that they want to follow God. They believe that there is a God, but they just don't want to put the time into studying the scripture. Yeah. They, they're caught up uh, in, uh, in the attractions of the world that they put the studying of the Bible, if they wanted to study it, it's not deep within them. So, but they still want to follow God and they say they are, they, you know, they're Christians. There's a they desire there. There's yeah, a yeah, desire yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's what it talks about. And, and so what, what occurs is that people, I suppose, get uh, almost caught up uh, by a, a powerful preacher, because I think all of us have sort of listened to a, you know, oh, even yeah. a, pa- a powerful po- politician. You know, yeah. I mean, he's he gives a, uh, you know, I mean, you look at you know some of the American politicians at this particular point in time, they give mm. you know strong impassioned speeches, and the crowds actually gather around. That's right, and you know, it's it shows you how people can be controlled by the leader. If you look at what's happening with Trump, for instance, and he's got uh, he's got all these followers. That say, you know, he was robbed of the election and he's got this belief package there that follow him. I heard that um, just recently in the news that um, one of the people that over that said no, there's no, uh, one of the governors said there was no evidence of fraud here. There was a bunch of armed um, tr- uh, Trump supporters overnight camped, camped outside a house mm-hmm. with guns and things. Really. Yeah. But they believe uh, they can easily be led into something, you know. And and this is the problem that um, that we have today where the desire for the world over overturns the d- desire to get into Scripture. Yeah. And that's why there's no foundation, there's no basis, there's no root in the Scripture. Um you know, it's, I just shared Second Timothy four three. It mm. says, "For the time will come where people will not put up with sound doctrine. They don't want to hear sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear." And this word in Greek for itching ears means they want to have their ears massaged or rubbed. They want to hear what they want to hear, the pleasure rather than that. And um, they want to believe what they want to believe rather than actual truth. 
And yeah. so what it's saying is it's easier to lead people away from that, somebody who has a, a greater knowledge of the Scripture than them, and give them what they want to hear and mm. draw them away. And that's what it's, I think it's talking about here. Yeah. yeah I, I think that passage that you, you talked about in, uh, uh, in Timothy is actually a very, very powerful passage because he actually mentions a, a number of other, uh, other things about our, our day. And, you know, the more I look at the religious press, the more I turn around and say, hey, uh, this is actually being fulfilled uh, right to the uh, right to the very letter. You know, I, I, I stand absolutely um, amazed because certainly if you had told previous generations that this was what was going to happen, although it is in the scriptures there, they would have said, hey, yeah, okay, we can see it. Um, but, you know, I think of um, um, first, uh, uh, no, Second, uh, Second Timothy, and uh, it's certainly talking about um, it's talking about our day. It says that know this in the last days, perilous times will come. You know, this word perilous times I think is really really significant because uh, the word uh, for for perilous. I mean, in Paul's day. Paul was a man who was shipwrecked three times. He was he was flogged. He was stoned. I think two or two or three times. Um, he was a person who was finally executed. He was continually persecuted. You know, I would have thought that his day would have been the day of perilous times. Mm. And yet here what we get in uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, know this that in the last days perilous times will come. When will they come in the last day? If I'd been Paul, I would have been saying, hey, perilous times are here now. But he says, no, 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 no. It's going to be in the last days mm. that you're going to get perilous times. Why? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy. And he gives this, this huge list uh, there in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, but then he he talks in verse 7 and he simply says this these people are always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth now you know eric one of the things i'm so conscious of is that um this is this is one of the one of the really challenging issues um for uh for most people in the religious religious world, there seems to be uh, two extremes. The um, the learning which they're having um, actually isn't learning from the scriptures. It's from everywhere else, but certainly not from uh, from the Word of God. And uh, you know, to me, I I'm so conscious of this this article that uh, certainly um, that that certainly talks about this uh, paucity. Of uh, of biblical understanding today, I know that as I don't know how you find it, Eric, but you know, as as a pastor, one of the things that I I'm increasingly conscious of is that um, in my studying the Bible, and I do study the Bible with young people, I'm noticing that there is a an, an increasing paucity of biblical understanding. Uh, it, it, um, some years ago, it was um, if, for example, uh, you said, uh, "Well, let me tell you tell you a story." Uh, some time ago, I was uh, I, I studied the uh, the book of Daniel with a uh, uh, with a young man. Now he had actually come up through religious uh, religious schools, and I I thought he would have understood uh, certainly the basic Bible Bible stories. And we were studying through the the book of Daniel, and of course, Daniel's got quite a number of end time prophecies in it. We were talking about it. At about the third study, he, he looked at me and says, by the way, Gary, he said, just help me fit this together. He said, oh, where, who is Daniel? And all of a sudden, a penny just, oh no, I thought, don't tell me. 
Um, and I said, well, you know, Daniel, the story, and I, I said, look, you know, some, I started to quote, you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Uh, he said, no, what's Daniel in the And all of a sudden I realized uh, the huge mistake. I was a much younger pastor in those days. Uh, I realized that I'd actually made a huge mistake because I was actually trying to teach a biblical prophecy uh, to somebody who didn't actually know about the power of God in the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And, you know, increasingly what I'm finding, Eric, is that that's one of the real challenges that we are, in fact, dealing with in the day and age in which uh, we are living right right now. How do you find it? Yeah, I find it the same, Gary. I find that um, with people who um, uh, really want to search Scripture, that um, if you have a series of studies, what we do in our study group is we go through a series of them, and then when we finish, we actually go back to the, the beginning of it again yeah. and start through it again because we find for, this, for this, the, the Word of God to go deep, they they need repetition. And what happens in the world, as I think today, is that People aren't getting it. You know, you haven't got scripture in schools. You, you know, where are they going to get it from? If they don't go to church, where are they going to get it from? And so people are, are being pulled away to uh, even cults can be things like, um, um, you know, witches and goblins and all those sort of yeah. things, you know, drawn yeah. into that. That's yeah. like a yeah, it, it, it's so itself. true what you're saying there, Eric, because I, I know just just the other day I was at home. I was uh, it was fairly close to, to, to dinner time and um, just Prior to the news coming on, there was a quiz show on uh, uh, on television, and I was just sitting there watching the uh, the quiz show, idling away a, a little bit of time. And uh, one of the questions came up, and I thought, "Wow, that's so simple." Uh, the question was, uh, "What's the name that's given uh, to the first four books of the New Testament?" Now, of course, the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, hmm. um, but the contestants that were asked didn't weren't even prepared to offer a guess uh, because it was that was something that was um, they simply had to say I wouldn't have a clue and now you know that is that is again for certainly many uh, most Christian people who are who have got biblical a literacy, uh, they would understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the first four books of the New Testament, are collectively put together and are called the Gospels because they contain the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, but we're living in a world in which that's no longer the case. And, you know, the thing I'm so conscious of is that if, in fact, we uh, have don't have this literacy, it's so easy when a strong preacher to come comes along mm. to actually say, well, um, uh, I'm going to run with him because, hey, he knows his Bible. Uh, but if, in fact, I've got no foundation myself, you've actually got no way of assessing that. And that's true, you know. When they, when you've, what they do is they prey on those who are weak. That's what it yeah, comes down yeah, to. Yeah. Um, and even in, you know, Paul's day in Galatians, it says there in, in Galatians one six eight, it says, "I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel." Yeah. He says, which is really no gospel at all. And so what, what happens is these, um, people who, who deceive and, and pull people into sex proclaim that they are prophets or they're the Messiah. Uh, even, um, 
Jim Jones, he's, he, he reckoned he knew the seven uh, seals. He knew all about all that, you know, uh, revelation. So they proclaim to have this power. And, of course, if they don't know the scriptures and are, are lost on it, are being pulled that way. I've seen it happen uh, many times where I've seen people in our church and one group in, um, uh, in uh, New Zealand were actually pulled out of our church by an offshoot group because they just sat down and got on side with them and charismatically drew them away. So you're right. Uh, and this doesn't just happen in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm just so no. conscious that and this is something that seems to occur uh, across all denominations. There seem to be uh, you know, uh, strong, powerful people mm. who actually uh, in bring people to themselves as opposed to uh, bringing them to the Word of God and bringing them to Jesus Christ. But look, let's mm. Let's just have a take a break. Let's come to some uh, some music. Um, this is uh, Jason Cork. This is uh, the Holy City. This is a, a, a majestic song uh, for uh, for this time uh, of the uh, of the years. Please uh, please enjoy. Last night I lay sleeping There came a dream so fair I stood in old Jerusalem Beside the temple there I heard the children singing And ever as they sang Methought the voice of angels From heaven and answering Methought the voice of angels from heaven answering Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and sing, Hosanna. In the highest, Hosanna to your King. And then we thought my dream has changed. Streets no longer rang Hushed were the glad hosannas The little children sang The sun grew dark with mystery The morn was cold and chill As the shadow of a cross arose Upon a lonely hill As the shadow of Hosanna 
again The scene was changed New earth there seemed to be I saw the holy city Beside the tideless sea The light of God was on the streets The gates were open wide And all who would might enter And no one was denied No need of moon or stars by night Or sun to shine by Was the new Jerusalem that would not pass away? It was the new Jerusalem that would not pass away. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jason Cork, uh, the Holy City, this time of the year, uh, that is really a marvellous praise song that uh, is really worth uh, listening to. Our free gift for you today is amazing. the Amazing Facts magazine, Hidden Truth magazine. Uh, this is uh, really worth having a look at uh, while you're sitting down, maybe on the beach uh, over the, the Christmas uh, Christmas period. If you've got some time for some uh, some reading, uh, why not pick up this particular uh, magazine? Uh, just uh, text Hidden Truth uh, to... 0438 066 That's 0438-066-635. Just send us your, your name, your address, and we'll have that uh, that gift to you uh, by the quickest possible uh, means. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare, and Eric's the part-time pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week, we're looking at the Bible and religious cults. And the big question for today, why do so many people join cults? Uh, Eric, thanks so much. Now, I'm conscious we're, uh, we've got about uh, five or six minutes before we need to sort of bring things uh, together. Just go through all that again. Just uh, share with us. Just finish off for us. Yep. Well, there's um, several reasons why um, people join a cult, and uh, one of them is the fact that um, their understanding of the Bible is very poor. They have uh, illiteracy when it comes to understanding the Word of God, and therefore they become easy prey. And it's been shown that uh, quite often that um, young people can uh, be caught very much up in this as well. Mm, mm. So, uh, you know, they they easily accept 
uh, different versions of what the Bible actually says. Another another gospel, if you like, one of the texts we read out before, yeah. and they start to move along that nine, which is uh, negativity actually. And and in fact, some uh, some of these cults have their own. Bible, own study guides, you know. Yeah. Um, the second one is that uh, it can be a legal, legalistic in a church where there's so many rules and, par- and uh, parts happening there. In fact, um, the church is more concerned about living by the letter of the law rather than by the spirit, the freedom that Christ brings. So that can trap people and feel, make them feel trapped that they want to break away and get away and, and then they become vulnerable also. Yeah. So that's another yeah, one as that's well. That's true. Yep. Another one is a church indifference. And this is a big one, I think, where maybe the word of God isn't being, um, preached or taught about in a church. That's why I think our Sabbath schools and our church, Seventh Avenue Church is good because every Sabbath morning we, we delve into scripture altogether. I yeah. think that's very important. Uh, but if you're not getting it at home, where are you going to get it? Yeah. And so I reckon that's really important. Um, I remember actually, we, we did actually have, I had, I remember one time in my ministry, I actually had a, uh, a group of people actually come from, um, come from another church and, uh, their, their comment to me was, uh, uh, we, um, they, they didn't want to join my particular church. Uh, because they said they liked the emotional uplift. I really, I'm amazed what how they said it. Actually, they enjoy the emotional uplift that they actually got mm. at their own church. Most of their friends were actually there, um, but they said uh, the reality is is that um, uh, we really appreciate the teaching of the scriptures. Our mm. biblical understanding uh, is is actually coming from, and you know, to me, I, I found this. Absolutely Absolutely intriguing uh, that people would actually pick up that particular issue. Yeah, and it's interesting too because I've had a couple of people been studying with in our group who say they've never been able to study the Bible or, or you know together in the way that we did, and a lot of churches just follow yeah. the person up the front, and that's where personal study is so important yeah, that they understand yeah. that. Another one is too that they are naive about what a cult actually is or that they're actually following this and moving away and they don't know much about these groups and what's around. A, a lot of people don't actually realise that they're in a cult until mm. uh, maybe after they've actually left the cult because yeah. they certainly don't see. I mean, uh, nobody runs around and says, well, I'm a member of a cult. Mm. Uh, that's not something that I'm certainly ever aware of uh, actually occurring. Yeah. Uh, and yet once they leave, they recognize that, hey, uh, in fact, that was the reality. Yeah, well, that's right. And um, often, you know, the parents are trying to get them out of these yes, people. Yes, you yes. know, they can see it, but they, they're lost, aren't they? Another one, too, is the fact of uh, uh, individualism where they don't want to be told what to do. You know, they, they don't like listening to the government. They're the first ones that criticize the government. Yeah. But also the teachings of God. They they want to run to go their own lives. And then they find out about a lifestyle that seems, seems good, and they can end up doing what they like in this lifestyle. And that's a big Another. one here in Oz, isn't it? Because, mm. you know, I mean, a Australians tend to be an incredibly individualistic crowd and, uh, you know, no one likes to be told by the government or by anybody else, you know, uh, that this is, you know, what you're doing is actually wrong and there seems to be a reaction against that. That's part of the era, in fact, in which we are living and yet, you know, a thing I'm so conscious of is that when we have supernaturally revealed truth, which is what we actually have within the Word of God, uh, you know, my, my attitude 
I believe, to uh, the Word of God uh, has to be totally different uh, to that which uh, might uh, I might have towards you know a secular authority that maybe you know I mean. Might not be presenting, you know, the uh, uh, reality in a in a biblically authentic way. Mm, and people often see the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Yeah. That what they've actually yeah. got yeah. is something special. And the other one is life transition, where you know some people might be having a divorce or something to uh, destabilize their situation. They might have lost a loved one. Um, even getting married, these things uh, can upset people and they become vulnerable if they're not centred in the word of God, if they're not fixed there, that they might listen to a, uh, to an attentive ear and yeah. be drawn away. Yeah. Yeah. But really, Pastor Gary, you know, th- there's a couple of scriptures that deal with this. It yeah. says, Beloved, yeah. in First John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world and they've dragged people with them. Yeah, that's one. The other one is Hebrews thirteen nine. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace. Yeah. So yeah. you know these uh, strange ideas sounds good, looks good, but then you start to follow the man's way, not God's way. And yeah. that's where we get into trouble. The thing I suppose I'm really conscious of is whenever there is an individual yep. who is uh, solely at the centre of uh, whatever is being taught, there is actually danger. You know, to me, I, I look at this, Eric, and to me the thing I really appreciate uh, is uh, the ability to be able to question, to ask questions, uh, to, uh, to, to doubt, hmm. to study. Um, to me, this is so important that we, um, uh, the Bereans were actually complimented by Paul uh, in, the, in the New Testament because they went away, they checked out the things that even he was saying. Now, you know, if, I, if, I'm, you know, if there's a group of people there that are prepared to even check out what the great apostle Paul says, you know, I'm so conscious that uh, my expectation is that when I preach that people ought to be prepared to check what I'm actually saying. And, you know, is what I am saying, is what I'm presenting according to the word of God? Uh, this to me has to be the ultimate question that that each of us, and you know, I'm, I'm so conscious that uh, most of these cults seem to have uh, at their very heart uh, an individual, a very strong individual, who is the one who um, is certainly looked to for all the all the answers. And yet what I found, Gary, too, is that when you look at it, and what I saw in New Zealand with the other cult is, you cannot question the leader. You, you know, yeah. and you've got to follow what he, what that person says, and you can't even read material outside of the group. You've got to disown your family, uh, and everything that's yours is theirs. Uh, you know, and that that can become very p- problematic because the 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 family that you once had, you you give them up basically straight away. You know, and this is actually mm. so sad, isn't it? Well, you know, yeah. when that actually happens, because that is certainly an expectation of many uh, many uh, cultish. It's it's actually a cultish behaviour, and uh, I mean, Christ actually talks about you are the salt of the earth. Do you know, you are the light, you know, set on the hill. Do you know, if in fact I'm the salt, that actually means that I have to be part 
of of my society yep. and you know when i uh when i see people being excluded and shunned i look at it because i say hey uh, there is a passage of there is one passage that i know of in scripture that's actually being taken out of its context mm-hmm. and uh, you know to me that's a frightening thing when that does actually happen well when i um you know the reason some of the one of the things that drew me to the civil owners church was its democratic way of doing things i mean all the positions in there are actually voted through by people through the power of the holy spirit you know, and it was such an open thing. You could question anything in the church, you know. Yeah. It's different yeah. to a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that. Folks, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. We want to say thank you for giving us your word. Lord, thank you for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, I just pray uh, that indeed you might be with uh, with each of us, that indeed we will daily walk closer to Christ and be constantly subservient to your word. Lord, these things we ask, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, folks, thank you so much. It does look like our time's up for today. Thank you for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor David Butcher joins us when we ask, why are charismatic leaders so successful? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Melissa Otto. Enjoy the sunshine. (laughs) 